glory to God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, amen. And it's good to look around and see the family of faith. It's good to see everyone here, amen. What, what, what an atmosphere to be in to say for your glory. What an atmosphere. That means that everything we're thinking, everything we're doing, everything we're going to attempt to do is for the glory of God. How many know God is worthy to be glorified? We're going to glorify him in this service. We're going to glorify him in this message. And so I look around and I say welcome to everybody. It's good to see people back from spring break and all vacations. And you're coming from the oceans, both east and west. And maybe you've been in San Antonio or some vacation destination. It's good to see people back in the house of the Lord. We're getting back into the swing of things, amen. We are in a brand new series. This is called A King's Domain. Uh, this, this is a compression of two words, right? Uh, that we get the word kingdom, a kingdom. And how many know we're in the kingdom of God? So important that you realize that Jesus didn't come to establish religion. He came to establish government. God is preparing in here, here real soon to set up his kingdom here on earth. I'm looking forward to that. Anybody looking forward to that with me? We're going to reign with God forever. I'm going to have you to stand. The first lady said, baby, you got to jump right into it because I said, you're right, baby. It's, it's 1125. I, I, I promise you this, you'll be out by 12. So I'm going to preach at least 30 minutes, but I won't preach more than 35. <laughs> We're going to have a good time in the word of the Lord. Do you know today I, I'm going to preach a message and I, and I hope today to deliver to you or help you to begin to see the mind of Christ. And I pray that, that, that if that can be imparted to you, and I believe the Spirit of God has designed to do just so, that today you're going to leave this house with an anthem in your spirit, and that is to do everything for His glory. And I pray that we set ourselves on that foundation. Uh, so if you're in your Bibles, go to St. John chapter 17. I want to read a very short, a, 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 a few verses here, just four verses out of St. John 17. Uh, this is what is called the farewell prayer of the Lord. This is Jesus' prayer. Uh, this is St. John 17. Uh, th this is Jesus' prayer. This is the hour that's coming. This is a very profound place in the scriptures where Jesus bears his soul in prayer. If you're in St. John 17, I'm going to begin reading here. You'll notice that Jesus is praying. It's a powerful, powerful thing to comprehend. This is how it begins. St. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the Christos, whom thou hast sent. 
verse 4. I have glorified thee on earth. Let me, let me repeat that one more time. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for every energy, everything, every mercy, every grace that brought us to this place. In whatever condition, in whatever state of being, for whatever may be afflicting the family of faith, we're here. And your word is clear. That where two or three come together, wherever we gather together, that you've promised Jesus to be right here in the midst of us. Jesus, take center stage. Be the cornerstone as you always have been. Let everything that will be said from here be confirmed in the Spirit of God. Not because they know me, Father, but by the works of the dynamic miracles, the signs and wonders that will accompany this word. That in this word is healing. In this word is recovery. In this word is ability. Not of man, but of God. Listen, uh, family and faith, listen. Those that watch by stream, listen with an open heart, a steady heart, a heart yielded to God. And watch sickness flee. Watch recovery begin. The Lord is in this message. And I know he's in it because he sent me to tell you. Holy Spirit, move as only you move. Stir as only you can stir. Impress as only you can impress. And we lean upon you, Holy Spirit, to bring this message to the conclusion by which we'll please the very heart of God. So we pray your purpose, we pray your strength, and we pray it in Jesus' name, and amen, and amen. Listen, before you see it, to start this anthem, this, this chorus, this, this heart, I want you to go find five people, just hug them, and say, do all for the glory of God. Just, just go hug somebody, and just say, do all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Those that are watching by stream today, do all for the glory of the Lord. Do it all for His glory. Do all for the glory. Do all for the glory.
How beautiful is the ministration of the Holy Spirit? Is there anything greater than He? How, how wonderful it is to know, how spectacular it is to know that God has placed His Spirit on the inside of you. So phenomenal is this thought that Paul phrases it as a question. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. How beautiful it is to know that the very character, the witness of God, his character witness is inside of you by the fruit of the Spirit. That today the very character of God is given to you by the infusion, by the power of the Holy Spirit. How dynamic it is that the manifestational gifts, the gifts that make the presence of God real on earth are given to us in the Spirit of God through His gifts. That even the church is motivated by motivational gifts. Romans 12, that the fullness of the Spirit of God is here. Could I even venture to say that the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in you? Give your neighbor a high five and say, the Spirit's on the inside. <laughs> it's wonderful to be powerful in the Lord. It's wonderful to have strength in God. But I have the Spirit on the inside. Of all of the things that the Spirit of God does, which is incalculable, to, to even fathom the totality of the sum of the work of the Holy Spirit cannot be done. For even without his help, a man or woman cannot say that Jesus is Lord with the help of the Holy Ghost. That today in all of the work and all of the counsel of the Holy Spirit, he has sent me to speak about one thing. One thing that I believe that is eluding the lives and minds of the family of faith. And you know what that is? Paul gives it to us as a question. And in fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you just put your finger there? Because this may be a place by which you may begin a consideration, a new consideration in your Christian life. This is what Paul says. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Yeah. Now watch this. For we have... The mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Uh, the question is given to you rhetorically. Be because Paul, already in the preceding verse, started at verse 9, he answers that question. You know what he says? As it is written, nor eye hath seen, nor ear hath heard, nor, nor heart is even conceived, yeah. even perceived. Y'all catching this? He says, as it is written, Isaiah 64, No eye hath seen, nor ear hath heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, catch this, yea, the deep things of God. So the Spirit brings to you the very mind of God, the thoughts of God, come by the Holy Spirit. For Paul even of himself says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no man knoweth the things of God, but the Spirit of God. And Paul says this, And you have not been given the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that you might know the things freely given to you of God. 
Brothers and sisters, we have the mind of Christ. You may not have considered, I could tell it when I'm saying this, some of y'all are already aloof, you're already thinking of something else. When I'm talking about the mind of Christ, isn't that amazing? For a man or woman to possess the mind of Christ. Have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? What is produced if a man or a woman, somebody here, would ever apprehend the very mind of Christ? What does that produce? What does it mean to have the mind of Christ? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Isn't this the work of the Spirit of God to produce in you the very mind of Christ? Paul gives us that intimation. Paul says this, Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being formed and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? It means to be walking in true humility with God. To have a humility about you. To know that whatever you're doing, you're forming yourself, you're, you're positioning yourself as a servant of the Most High. And whatever he would ask you to do, you will do in obedience, even if it means being crucified. Brothers and sisters, I think we have sterilized the cross. We've made it to none effect. Do you know that the cross was an embarrassing death because you were stripped naked of all of your clothes? People would come and ridicule you as they did Jesus. And here's the Lord coming down and being made into a man, but even lower than that because he became a servant, a feet washer. And there was nothing God would ask him to do that was outside of giving him glory. Do, do you understand the totality of the sum of the work of Christ? His mind was, I am going to bring God glory. And whatever I do, the Bible gives us this admonition. In all that you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Say, you got to do it for his glory. You got to do it for his glory. You got to do what you're doing for the glory of God. It is amazing to see. Look at the contrast. In fact, do me this favor. Go in your Bible. Go to St. John chapter 5. Open it there because I want to read something to you. St. John chapter 5. The single greatest statement Jesus ever made of his mind in God is recorded in St. John chapter 5. The humility of Christ. I want you to catch this. It's nothing like Lucifer. How many know Isaiah 14 where, where, where Isaiah says, Oh, how thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. For thy did said in thy heart, I will ascend above the heavens. I will ascend above the stars of God. I will set my throne high, high above the clouds. I will be like the most high. Are you there, St. John 5, 19? Listen to this. St. John chapter 5, verse 19. I want to set the stage for this because the church needs to get back to the mind of Jesus. Brother and sister, what you need is the mind of Christ. 
If you want to be about the business of the kingdom of God, you got to be about the mind of Christ. You're there, St. John 5, 19. Some of y'all know this particular passage. This is a passage. This is a passage where there's an invalid at the pool of Bethesda. Y'all know this story. Uh, There just so happens to be a man at the pool of Bethesda who the Bible records had been there for 38 years. Uh, Jesus purposely finds this man and encounters this man and asks him a pointed question. Will thou be made whole? (laughs) And he goes on to say what he has a problem. He says, listen, I want to be whole. I want to be made right. I see the pool disturbed. The angel comes at sundry times and sees it and touches the surface. And the problem that I have is I don't have anybody to help me into the water. (laughs) And then Jesus says, your problem is a person. Rise, take up thy mat and walk. The Bible says that that man got up and walked. And as he was walking, some of the spiritual elite of his day said, hey, you over there. What are you doing carrying your mat on the Sabbath day? He says, the one that healed me made me whole is the one who told me to get my mat. So I'm only doing what I've been commanded to do. He didn't even know it was Jesus. The Bible says later that day he was at the temple and Jesus was there. And he said, listen, you've been made whole. But sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. And at that time, he knew it was Jesus. He went back and told the Jews it was Jesus. Now watch this. The Bible says from that time, catch this, from that time, the Jews sought to slay him because he had healed on the Sabbath. I'm setting this verse up. He says from that time, the Bible says the Jews sought to slay him because he had healed this man on the Sabbath. Well, watch what happens. So when they come to Jesus, Jesus is over here, and this is what Jesus says. My father is always working. And because he's always working, I'm working. Y'all didn't hear that. Y'all didn't hear that. Y'all don't even know the implication of it. You mean to tell me God is working on the Sabbath? Yes, he is. Well, I thought God rests on the Sabbath. No, he does not. Jesus says, my father is always working. And because he works hitherto, so do I. And then Jesus records it right there for you to hear. St. John chapter 5, verse 19. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. You see, whatever he sees the Father do, that's what he's going to do. Jesus says, I don't say anything he doesn't say. I don't do anything he doesn't do. And I can do nothing of myself. There has never been anyone, anybody that graced this earth that had an eye so singular as Jesus. His eye was completely focused on the kingdom of God. It was his message. Jesus says, if you want to have light in your life, your eye has to become singular. You have to continually look to the kingdom. Uh, See, the issue that we're having in the church today is most of us have eyes for other things. Uh, Most of your eye is on self-perception. This creates an issue that the Spirit of God has to work in. Have you noticed that the work of the Spirit of God is to bring you to the knowledge that you are, catch this, insufficient? If you haven't get there, you're going to get there pretty soon. 
that the Spirit brings us to places in our, in our lives, situations, places, times, where we begin to consider the fact that we are not enough. If you haven't already figured it out that people are not enough. Anybody got some people in your life that are not enough? Oh, I hope you got some because they're helping you understand and perceive the kingdom. Because you are not all that in a bag of chips, trust me. Aren't you tired? Haven't you come to the place in your life where you begin to realize the only one that can be trusted is God? We come to places in our life where the Spirit brings us to a hard core, a hard place in the reality of life, and He brings to us this condition. We are insufficient. You are not enough. You're not enough. And you know how I know you're not enough? Because Jesus said, I'm not enough. He says, I can do nothing of myself. I can do nothing of myself. All that that word, all that that would creep into the recesses of your mind, where you will begin to say of yourself, I can't do it unless he helped me. I need his help. And you know, the things that I really want to change, the thing that I'm about, I realize that without God's help, I can't do it. Anybody there in your life now that the things you really want to change, you realize that you can't change, and you've tried to get the people to help you make that change, and they can't make that change, and so you get despondent, you get angry with God, and God is saying, you haven't even asked me yet. It's amazing. You called everybody in your phone to get help, and then when everybody said they couldn't help, then you start trying to pray. Look at your neighbor and say, cut that out in Jesus' name. Get your eyes singular. Jesus wasn't looking to nobody to help him. He knew where his help came from. You, you know what will help you in the church is for you to realize that God owns it all. How I many know God owns it all? Shout it out. Say, God owns it all. Everything belongs to God. The whole earth is his and the fullness thereof. He owns all the galaxies, all the stars. He hung them by name. He hung them out in the space and said, that belongs to me. Everything that is made. He owns your ideas. He owns your intellect. He made you that way. God owns it all. Could I contend with you that God has more than you do? But as children of God, we became an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. This is the kingdom of God and this is kingdom business. And God is saying to you, you don't have enough, but I do. And if you want to enter this kingdom, come under his kingship. And you can participate with the treasuries of heaven. Amen. Let me show you something really smooth about Jesus. Jesus was always trying to teach how insufficient you are. Watch this. There's a story, St. Saint, Saint, Saint Mark chapter 6. It's also recorded in St. John 6. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Most theologians say it's more than that. It's probably around 20,000. The Bible says that Jesus, willing to prove or wanting to prove a man by the name of Philip, he wants to prove him. The Bible says that Jesus was up on the mountain to pray, healing. There was, there, there was, there was healing and, and miraculous things moving, and Jesus went up to the hilltop to pray with his disciples. While he was up on the mountain, he looked down, and people were beginning to gather. And so, so, so Jesus uh, says to Philip, wanting to prove Philip, he says, Philip, 
You know, I think I'd like to, to feed everybody today. What do you think? This is the mind of Jesus saying, I would like to feed everybody that's here. What do you think about it, Philip? Philip says, it's a great idea, Lord. We opened up a catering business. We, we serve some barbecue or some sandwiches, you know. Now, Philip said this. Lord, even if we had 200 penny worth, we wouldn't be able to ride enough food. And, and, and even if we had some food, they would just eat but the crumbs from the bread. Listen to what's happening. Here's, here's Jesus saying, this is what I want to do. This is the ideal. And this is Philip saying, well, this is the reality. This is what God wants to do. And we're all in that boat, baby. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say, you're the Philip that Jesus, that Jesus is talking about. You're the one always saying, well, I know what God wants to do, but, but this is the reality of it all. I mean, this is the street I live on. This is my situation. This is what I'm going through. I know what you want to do, God, but, 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 but this is earth. This is, this is what I'm suffering with. This is what's going on. I know you have a mind about something, but it doesn't fit my reality. And so then Jesus says this, watch. He says, well, what do we have? Disciples said, well, some mama packed lunch for this little boy. <laughs> I was feeling a little hungry. I was passing by, and I said, oh, what you got there, young man? I got me five loaves, two fish. She said, bring that little boy over here. Five loaves, not loaves, loaves. Not loaves, loaves of bread. The Bible says Jesus blessed it, and he broke it. He said, send it out, divide it. But I want you to pick up all the scraps because I want to show you something. The Bible says they went out and everybody was just eating and joining, just filling themselves. Right? Chicks, you know, fish sandwiches. Everybody just, just awesome. <laughs> twelve basketfuls. The number twelve. The sign of completeness, fullness. Sufficiency. You would have thought that miracle would have transformed their lives. That you don't need a lot to do a lot. That, that, that you don't need to possess much to do much. But see, they don't have the mind of Christ. Their, their eye is not singular. They're looking at the wrong things. They're not looking into heaven and saying, God has it. Will you look at your neighbor and say, God has it, baby? Man, God has it. Say it out loud. Say, God has it. And I'm here. I got good news for you. He wants to give it to you. But y'all got to be singular. I has got to be singular. Just a few chapters. St. Mark 8. Jesus does it again. The Bible says, catch this, that Jesus is, is teaching. And the, listen to this. The people had been there three days without eating. I mean, you got to preach good. Can you imagine if I was preaching so good, you said, I ain't going to lunch. Man, preacher, preacher, just keep on preaching. I, I'm loving this, this. Man, keep going. And I'm preaching here. And then it's 1030 at night. And I'm, uh, okay, now then the next verse. And y'all are just eating it up. You haven't been here 30 minutes. You already think about where you're going to go eat lunch. 
You already say, man, as soon as they finish, I'm going to go over here and give me a chick sandwich. Pastor made me hungry, talking about fish. I'm going to give me some catfish today. L- listen, listen, check this out. Check this out. Three days. Somebody say three days. Right? They're not at six flags for three days. They're hearing the word. Three days. And then Jesus says, I don't want to send them back. If they go back, they're going to faint along the way. They have any. So he says, well, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about feeding them. I said, Lord, you kidding me? Look where we are. We're in the wilderness. You see, if your eye's not singular, you're going to look at all your circumstances. First, we don't have enough in our pockets. Now it's look where we are. We're in the wilderness. There's not even no stores. Even if you wanted to do it, Jesus, man, there's no place to bake the bread. Then Jesus says, well, what do we have? We've been here before, right? Well, what do we have? Well, we got seven loaves and a few fish. Bring them here. He blessed it and he broke it. Be careful. Pick up all the scraps. The Bible says that everybody ate to their full. Some seconds, some had thirds, some had fourths. You know who you are. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Yeah, you that one going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You that third servant, brother. You. <laughs> Look, check this out. Watch what happens. Seven basketfuls were collected. Seven is the number of perfection. You think that you think they would have said, hey, you know what? Jesus is pretty good at making, making a lot out of nothing. So they get into the boat. As they're getting into the boat, some Pharisees showed up to Jesus. They said, Jesus, we demand of you a sign, and there's going to be no sign given to you. They get on the boat, and the disciples are getting the boat ready. Everybody's moving about, and they start talking about, oh, man, we forgot to bring bread. There was so much bread a little earlier. Oh, man, we should have picked some of that up. And so they talked. They only had one loaf. And so, so Jesus is thinking about the, the Pharisees that he had talked to. He tells the disciples, you be weary of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they perceived that he was talking about bread. And Jesus says, why are you thinking about bread? What did I do with five loaves? How many did I feed? They said 5,000. He says, how many did I feed with seven loaves? They said 4,000 because they only had one loaf. He goes, why is it that you don't understand They had one loaf. Don't you know what God does with one loaf? One loaf. And they were panicking because they only had one loaf. But could they imagine the multiplied power of God on the one loaf? What it would do. So it is with the church. We are minimizing the power of God because we say to God, we only got one loaf to work with. And Jesus is saying to you, don't you understand that if you get your eyes singular, if you look into the kingdom of God, there is more than enough in the kingdom of God to do whatever God's commanded you to do. 
This is kingdom talk, baby. Look at your neighbor and say, this is kingdom talk, baby. God isn't going to ask you to do something after he's checked your checking account. God isn't going to look into your abilities. He looks to his. For our God is more than enough. My God is able. Shout out, God is able. My God is more than able. My God is great. Jesus understood the principle of having a singular eye towards the kingdom of God to minister, to glorify the Lord. Today, God wants to be glorified. Jesus knew that whatever he was doing, he was drawing upon God to do the work of God. Let me say that one more time. Jesus knew where his help came from. If the help comes from God, who gets the glory? You, you, you know, most of Jesus says this. Watch. Jesus says, lay not up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You know why? Because if you start to think about what you have, you'll never do the things of God. And if you do them, you're going to do them because you want the accolade. You want the praise. You want people to say something good about you. You're going to be looking out for your own self. But if you know your help comes from God. He says, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, for neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart, there your mind is going to be. See, whatever I attribute back to God is how I lay the treasure up. You know, I told my wife, baby, if, if, if I gave you $100, I said, go give you $100 to your daddy. And then she went to go visit daddy and said, daddy, here's $100. And he said, oh, thank you for this, honey. And she said, yeah, dad, no problem. She's still in my glory. I'm going to say that one more time because I think you missed that. If I gave my wife money to give to her father and she gave it to her father and the father said, thank you for giving me that money. And she said, no problem, dad. Nothing but a thing. She robbed me of my glory. Do you know that God is jealous about his glory? God said, I am God and I will share my glory with no man. I'm God. I'm God. I'm the maker of it. I've put it in your hands. I've given it to you. It comes from my hand and my head alone. And when you learn that, when your eye becomes singular, then the body is full of light because you know where it comes from. Oh, I'm talking to somebody in here that's been walking around and maybe you haven't been doing much, but everything you've been doing is for your own glory and for your own accolade. You've been looking for your own personal praise, but God is saying, I'm looking for some workers in the kingdom of God who knows where their help comes from, that I can send them into the world to do the work of God and say, this came from the hand of the Almighty. Oh, somebody clap their hands. Somebody clap their hands and say, I want to be in the army of the Lord. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, God owns it all. God owns it all. God owns it all. God can do it all. God has power, ability, strength. God can move upon things. God likes to straighten things out. He just needs somebody that if he can send them, that they'll give the glory back to God. 
Do you know that if you lie, your eye gets singular? But the Bible says that the light of the body is the eye. And if the eye be singular, if the eye be singular, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his right doing, and everything else be added unto you. But you got to have a singular eye. My fear in the church is that we don't know how to turn the light on. Let me help you with something. It's 12. Let's pray. Let's go home. <laughs> Jesus. Y'all won't do like Jesus and go three days. <laughs> let, me, let me throw something at you. I'll just, I'll just put this on your table, and then, we go, we, then I'm going to pray and send you home. All this week, did anybody tell you thank you? Now, let me ask you a real, true, sincere, godly question, because I'm here to provoke you into love and to good works. Because if we're about the kingdom of God, th this is a kingdom. Somebody say, this is a kingdom. Jesus did not teach religion. He taught kingdom, government. I want to ask you a question. This week, did anybody tell you thank you? Did anybody come to you and say, hey, I want to thank you for doing that thing or helping me there or doing this? And when they asked, when they said to you, thank you, did you take the praise? Or did you say, God had sent me to do that for you? If in their reply to you, hey, I want to thank you for, for picking me up. I want to thank you for the food. I want to thank you for that extra money. And you said, oh, it ain't no problem, man. Nothing but a thing for me, baby. You see, I roll like that. I got it like that. You're a thief of the glory of God. Because it was God who put that money in your pocket. It was God who gave you that ability. It's God who gave you that car. It's God who put gas in your car, baby. And so you got to think. You got to think, did I rob God of his glory? Now, there's another group of people in here. That when I asked the question, nobody said thank you to you this week. Because you've done no good works. You are void of the kingdom completely because you've done nothing. Do, do you know that if, if all of us went out today and we went to do good works, not because we think works will get us to heaven, but because this is about, it, about people seeing God, manifesting God, that they might see the beauty of the Lord. That, they might be, that Jesus might be magnified. This was the mind of Christ. I have come to glorify thy name. And everything I'm doing, I'm doing for the glory of God. Whether you pray for somebody, whether you help somebody, whether, whether you did a thing and went the extra mile, that when they said thank you, say, listen, thank the Father in heaven because he sent me. Give him all the glory that we learn to pass the praise on to the Lord. That we're not taking the praise in, we're passing the praise over to God. Then we've entered into the kingdom of God. Because we light the flame by doing it all for his glory. If you've gone all this week and nobody said a thing to you, guess what? You haven't even got started. You're doing nothing. You might have read your Bible and prayed all week, but you've done nothing for the kingdom. 
You've helped yourself. You've learned more about the Bible. You've memorized some verses. You've said some nice things to yourself, and you've encouraged yourself. You, you've convinced yourself that you're saved, and you're going to heaven, and you're so glad about it. But you've done nothing for the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, we got to go to work. We got to go to work for his glory that he might be seen. That you might say, listen, what I've done for you, God sent me to do it. These feet become beautiful when they come prepared with that gospel of peace. Which one are you? Are you the one hiding out because all you got is one loaf? Is that you? There's some people here, one loaf people. Look at you and say, are you the one loaf person? You're talking about, I know what you want to do, Jesus, but all I got is one loaf. Or are you the one that steals the praise and the glory from God? Every time they say, well, yeah, thank you. You know, I, I always try to be the nicest I can be. Look, shut up with that. Shut up with that. Shut up with that. Look at him and say, shut up with that. Shut up with that. Put that away. Put that away. Say, give God the glory. Or maybe some of us have not even gotten started. Could I encourage us to begin to get started? Stand to your feet. Come on. It's late. We got to go. Because I know you can't go no, no three days without eating. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some of y'all can't go three hours without eating. Come on! You, you don't even have to come to the altar, right? Because this is, gonna, this, this is something that you don't have to pray for nobody. You got to pray for yourself. This is something you got to turn around. So, so let, let's, let's close in on the Spirit of God. Let's just close in on the Spirit of God because the Spirit said, I'm going to give you. Paul asked the rhetorical question, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. And in a very short, fast fashion, because I was pressed for time, I gave to you the mind of Christ. Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son of Man couldn't do nothing of himself. But what he seeth the Father do. For what things he seeth the Father do, these the Son doth likewise. I can do nothing. I can say nothing. I can do nothing without the help of the Holy Spirit. Everything comes from God. Will you lift your hands and say, will you say, Father, that the gas in my car was the gas you put in? That automobile is given out of your kindness, your graciousness. The food that I'm about to go eat, the money that I'm about to spend, that, that comes from your hand. The home that I'm going to enter into, the bed that I'm going to lay upon and take my nap this Sunday evening, that bed belongs to you. The very fabric of it, the, 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 the woven threads belong to you, God. 